Hello, I'm Roy Sharples, and welcome to the Unknown Origins podcast series, the purpose of which is to deliver inspirational conversations with creative industry experts on entrepreneurship, pop culture, art, music, film, and fashion. Today's focus is musicianship and production, which I have the pleasure of chatting with Doviak, who is a musician and producer. Doviak made his way via Cambridge to Manchester in the 2000s, involving himself in the vibrant music scene in various capacities, working, playing and touring with bands for a number of years, including a brief stint with Johnny Marr and the Healers, after which he branched out working on high-profile commercials as well as film and also turned his ear to production. Around 2011, he co-produced The Messenger with Johnny Marr, the first of a run of Marr solo albums, followed by much touring a second guitar and keyboards and producing two more chart-topping albums, the latest being called The Comet. In his spare time, he has produced and co-written with a number of other artists such as Melanie Isaac, Priya Panda and Benjamin Scoos. In 2019, he began releasing his self-produced tracks as Doviak with alt-baroque synth-pop Solid State Machines EP, followed by the singles Empire and Century. He is currently working on a fourth studio album with Johnny Marr, due for release in 2021, as well as mixing music for a number of up-and-coming bands, and is about to release his latest single, Don't Follow, on the 25th of September, with further releases to come throughout the rest of the year and beyond. Hello and welcome, Doviak. Hi, Roy. So what inspired and attracted you to, to, to becoming a musician and producer? Well, I guess it was you see, very, very early on when I was very young, very, very young. I wanted to be a director, a movie director. Yeah. And, um, and you know, even though all through this time I've had, I still love film and, and watch film very avidly and uh, yeah. think about film a lot. But, but I guess there was an element of me which likes the, uh, I was going to say control, but it's not yeah. specifically that. It's, the, it's being able to uh, oversee and to, to some degree oversee a large scope project, I guess. Yeah. Um, and in, in retrospect now, you know, what I do when I'm producing or even writing myself, it's a very small version of that. You know, you're overseeing a, a complete piece of work. I'm, you know, yeah. uh, I'm kind of making it sound grander than it is, but it's, but it's um, certainly when I write for myself, there's a lot of elements coming together. You know, it's not just acoustic guitar and singing. It's, you know, it's a, sometimes there's orchestration I'll put in there and, um, you know, I know a lot of stuff, and so yeah. uh, it, it's it's a slightly larger architecture, perhaps, than than, um, than some things. And so, but I, I kind of like that. You know, I like the, the grandiosity sometimes. Of, yes, yeah, of doing that. And uh, but so what attracted me to it um, really is the normal story, I guess. I was in bands when I was young um, with friends at school, and um, the the social aspect of it's fun. You know, have a good laugh with people of a very similar. Uh, Similar background or mentality, yeah. something like that, and uh, and of course you yeah, dream of being famous, and yep. you think you're great, and you're probably not that great, <laughs> and uh, and then um, it was really you know I was in different bands, and I moved to Manchester, and just kind of just bit by bit got more and more involved in the music scene here what, in different what, capacities. So like uh, what, what, uh, by moving to Manchester, was that by design in terms of you saw like a musical community there that would essentially yes yeah. Yes, because uh, things were really kind of kicking off. Um, they had been for quite a long time, you know, since I guess you know the late eighties, you know, yeah, what early early to mid eighties, but but it was still going pretty strong, you know, in uh, 
late nineties and early two thousands. There's a lot of things. I mean, it wasn't particularly the traditional Manchester sound stuff necessarily. There was a lot. Yeah. The drum and bass was big, and, uh, and there's all kinds of different genres that were pretty big, kind of in town. And of course, and hacienda. It was all, yes. a lot of um, no, dance music, house music, and things. But uh, um, but it was essentially, you know, in the UK, the two biggest places really are Manchester and London. Yeah, you know, there's outliers, but really they are the kind of the hubs. London is much bigger, obviously, but Manchester has, um, I think, in my mind, the second biggest kind of musical community. Yeah. But it's much smaller, and the upside of that is it's a smaller community, and so it's easier to um, not necessarily navigate. But you know, if you know if you're involved in it, you know a lot of bands very quickly and a lot of people. And yes. so uh, that's kind of fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, it, it was just kind of, uh, you know, I was, I was actually a pretty decent guitar player when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not now. But um, were, you so, self, were you self-taught or did you kind of get lessons? Or yeah, a mix so, of, yeah. No, self-taught. And, um, you know, I had some piano lessons when I was very, yeah. very young, but I'm not very good at piano. Um, but uh, the guitar is just fun and it's easy and fun. It looks cool. You know, that's half yeah. the appeal isn't it and so um uh, so i guess um you know I, I like being in bands but sometime around moving i got more interested in writing yeah um and so i started trying to do that uh, not very successfully you know i was on very rudimentary equipment at the time and gradually i got a sampler and a few other bits but it but it's you know, writing in itself is um another discipline to playing it's a different approach and you know, I started off and actually some of the stuff was not too bad to be honest, yeah. but, it, but I had no confidence in it. And so, you know, I didn't really kind of pursue that particularly, um, but I always enjoyed doing it. And it, yeah. you know, it makes me very happy. To, the, the most fun thing for me is sitting down and coming up with ideas. Yes. You know, it's, it's really fun because you can open the creative side of your brain up and, um, and just tinker around until you find things that you like. I mean, maybe you have a direction, you're doing it with a, with a, a purpose. How would you typically categorize Sorry, not categorize, characterize your creative process for, for music making and, and production. Okay. Well, for music making, uh, it, it depends if I'm producing or if I'm writing for myself. Uh, writing for myself, I will very often either think, usually I'll have some kind of direction, maybe something that's inspired me. Yeah. So maybe it's a piece of music or a film or, or a certain feeling from a film or you know, a picture or something. Yeah. Um, or just a general direction, you know, general kind of um, feeling about something I want to do. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's a piece of music that you think, you know, I kind of, oh, I, I like that and I want to copy it, but you can't really copy it as yeah. in not necessarily good enough to copy it. And I don't want to, but yeah. you do something that elicits a similar kind of emotional direction yes. perhaps. Um, but, um, but so, so for myself, I'll start off something like that. So I have some kind of basic idea and, and sometimes it can take shape very, very quickly. So, you know, occasionally an entire song might be sketched out within, you know, really very, very quickly, a few minutes perhaps. Um, but very often <laughs> it's not the case and it's slow and arduous. You know, I have yeah. some nugget of something good <laughs> and maybe a couple of good nuggets that work together, but there's big gaps in between. And the process of filling those gaps and then uh, bringing it all to completion can be pretty slow and require a lot of patience and um, yeah. concentration. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but uh, but that, that's for myself. Now, if I'm producing somebody else, it depends on what they bring to the table, um, and the extent, you know, the the level of what they bring to the table. And it's a slightly different approach because it's someone else's core musical idea. 
So um, I'm looking at it slightly differently. Uh, and that's not conscious and deliberate. It's just the way it is uh, yeah. for some reason. You know, I'll, I'll listen to it and see how can I make that better? Uh, you know, so yeah. I'll be listening to technical issues within it or just general kind of emotional um, dynamics. Yes. So I think, well, how can it be improved here and there? And, and then, and hopefully try and do that. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's a whole nother conversation, which we can have in a minute, you know, the actual technicalities of trying to yes. improve things. It's not specific to music. I don't think either. I think many, many of the things we're going to talk about are going to be uh, specific. It will be um, general to a lot of different types of art. When you've been producing for someone else, and they kind of bring their idea and concept or their piece of um, art to you and that you diametrically oppose it and think, oh, geez, you know, like, and, and how, how do you kind of deal with those kind of situations? Well, you know what? Honestly, I haven't really because, right. uh, because part of my personality is, uh, you know, moderately agreeable. Yeah. So I'll be looking for, but it's not, no, it's not just that though. It's the fact that I'll kind of, I'll look and see how can I, yeah. I've never had something that I thought was awful. And I think probably, you know, I haven't worked with that many people compared to a lot of producers. And so I just think it hasn't come up yet. Um, uh, yeah. I probably wouldn't do a project like that if it was that bad, because I don't think I, yes. I don't know how I would deal yeah. with it. I mean, I don't think I want to get up in the morning and do that. So, um, you know, it, you know, yeah. it, it, I'd always be looking for some kind of positive angle to it anyway. Yeah. Um, and I I've never really heard things that I thought were so awful. They were beyond redemption or I didn't, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> You know, because yeah. there's not really any particular genres I hate that much, you know. Yeah. Um, I have very specific things I really personally love. Yeah. But every, all of it's kind of interesting to me in one way or another. Yeah. As no, well, for, you know. For, um, and so, so yeah, it hasn't really occurred. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess is what kind of listen to you there as well is probably the circles that you kind of gravi gravitate towards and the, the, the circles that gravitate towards you. Yeah. There's a similarity, a spirit there and... Um, Quite possibly, aesthetic yeah. and identity yeah. where yeah. you know and yeah so you wouldn't have probably involved yourself with that in the first place if you weren't um intrigued by it to, to, to some extent so yeah no, that's um, true uh, but you know if it doesn't but in terms of yeah i think you know anyone working at a certain level what they're producing is going to be interesting in some way or another yeah um you know i mean even if it even if they're very very basic and maybe they're not a good musician or whatever there's there's as long as there's some merit in it somehow um yeah. then there's something salvageable in it. And, so, and it's kind of fun. I guess it's a bit like sculpting in that respect. Yes. Because you, you see some aspect of it. You think, well, how, it's a bit of a challenge. How can I make this yeah. something that other people want to listen to? You know. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's a bit of imagination there as well. But, uh, um, but, but you know, depending on the person, I mean, most of the stuff I've worked on as, as sort of producing or co-producing has been developed to a stage where when you hear it, it sounds you know, like a kind of, the, the ideas are in there. And it's, um, I wouldn't say it's self-explanatory, but it's, you've got a good starting point already. Um, and it, what you end up with may be very different to what you plan to. Yes. But it's, um, but, it, but it's not really a great challenge, if that makes sense. It's more yeah, just no. a, it's kind of a fun exploratory process, you know? Yeah. And within that exploratory process, you, you mentioned one of the key um, words earlier there around imagination. So yeah. within, within your creative process, where in essence, and I like your your point where you um, compared it to, to sculpting, and and also you're kind of going through a process there where you're making the invisible visible. 
um, without sounding kind of pretentious, what, how would you how, how do you typically kind of go through your process from uh, for, to, to, to a finished recording from the pre-production to the recording, yeah. the mixing, yeah. and the mastering? I'll have some direct vague kernel of an idea, yeah, uh, which which I'll want to develop and. Uh, this is a bit of a tangent now, but I may as well go into this now, which is um, I think when you're quite creative, um, one of the problems some people have uh, some with creativity is not really knowing where to start. You know, it's like there's an entire world, entire spectrum of millions of directions you could go in. And that was certainly a problem for me you know, years ago. Um, but once I started to impose frameworks on things, it was much easier. Yes. And I noticed things were... I did well in the past. It was always because there was some kind of framework. Maybe it was a TV commercial yeah. that needed a specific type of music or whatever it was. So, um, and so for my own writing, the I have a the framework's a lot looser, but but I have a, a, a thematic framework for me, which is a kind of um, it's a direction. It's not particularly genre dependent. Um, it, it, you know, it sort of cross into different genres slightly, but the theme to me is a kind of is trying to do something which is a kind of um, austere melancholy, I guess. Yeah, love it. Love uh, it. Or, or austere melodrama. Uh, you know, some, there's elements of kind of Britishness, which yes. I like, which is in certain artists like Pink Floyd. Um, it's yes. not so prevalent nowadays. I don't really know. I mean, I'm sure there's people who do it, but I can't really think specifically yeah. off the top of my head. But it's, it's a kind of harkening back to an older... England, which doesn't really exist in the same way, but never yes. did necessarily, isn't it? People's yeah. imagination. But so, concordant with that, there's also the idea of like, uh, like old uh, espionage movies and um, you know, spy films, and especially older ones, because there's it's not just the I mean, people say, oh, it's the atmosphere or the, the grain in the film, and that's all great, but it's also the fact that I think you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, travel was a bit more exclusive, yeah. it wasn't so common. Um, and there was it was a, a bit more alien. You go somewhere else, and maybe you certainly didn't have the internet or yeah. mobile phones, and so you were really quite far away <laughs> from other people who you knew. And it's a bit more adventurous in some ways, and uh, and a lot more novel. You know, you, people you wouldn't have seen a lot of these things. You didn't necessarily have the TV, even which would cover some of the places you could go. So there's an element of excitement about travel in the olden days to me, which I like, and yeah. that, that kind of ties in with the kind of spy movies and espionage movies idea, where uh, I like the sort of romance of some guy in the Eastern block in a hotel on a you know, wintry yes. Sunday, you know, listening to the radio or whatever it is and this kind of thing. So it's trying to capture an element of that emotion um, yeah. sometimes. Uh, so, um, so that's the kind of direction you know, roughly of that thing, but it's my, my, the actual genres I do will kind of be kind of like Baroque pop, which is a bit like the shadow puppets or um, sort of drift onto more experimental electronica Um and um, Porter's Head is a kind of melancholy yeah. there. And I'm not necessarily a big fan of those bands, but there's, I like what they do and I like the direction. Yeah. Um, and so, so anyway, that's the kind of kernel of stuff. And so from there, once there's a vague idea there, then I guess it's more production. Um, now, one of the key things to um, that recently I've kind of improved a lot on is organization of workflow. Um, and if you're creative, it, it tends to be something you don't really want to address as much. Some people probably do, but but it, I think it's part of the um, creative mindset 
yeah that you know some degree of creativity comes from chaos you know yes <laughs> and it, it, but you need to you need to have some control on that chaos otherwise it becomes quite hard to to manage so um so it's the, 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 to write more quickly sometimes it's um it's good to have some kind of organization to your workflow and that can apply in many different ways so some of it could be the actual way that you're creating the music sketching it out you know the linear way you're doing it it could be the the software you're using to yeah. to write on you know so you have it everything clearly labeled and an organization to the tracks and this sort of thing um, and if you don't have that it slows the process down um, because you're searching for things and you, know, yeah. you think, well, you know, why can't I, where's this sound coming from? Um, now I'm not really great at it when I'm working by myself because, yeah. uh, bad habits really, uh, but I'm getting better and better because I'm, I realize how much time it saves me when I'm, when I'm good. So imposing organization is very important. And, and even just in terms of scheduling, you know, having a calendar or doing things to a deadline, yeah. um, you know, anything that could, those are all important things that can be easily overlooked. Yes. You know, when you're creative. Um, and so I guess another kind of segue from that is the idea that uh, when, when you're writing and coming up with ideas, and again, this applies to a lot of art, you know, it's for, for writing, probably for perhaps for painting, I don't know. But um, I think the creativity comes from a certain state of, of mind. Yeah. Uh, so it's a slightly chaotic state of mind, you know, you could call it right brained or whatever. But yeah. Um, the technical aspect of things tends to come from a different state of mind. So if you're yeah. like a lot of musicians now, you tend to write on a laptop or a computer um, and using, you're using software and the involvement of using that software and thinking about it, even if you're very adept at it uh, is a slightly different mental process. And, it, and I think it can, um, you're best keeping that side of it away from the creative side when possible because I can impinge slightly. It's not that using the software is not creative. It's just a different, yes, completely yes. different thing. Yeah. And, but it's only impinge. It's only for me, it can impinge to some degree. And so uh, I think the equivalence of writing would be like, you know, an author writes a book and then you have someone come and edit it. Or maybe yeah. the author writes freehand for, you know, half a day and then spends the rest of the day editing what they've written, you know, yeah. which is 80% nonsense, but there's 20% great stuff in there. Yeah. So it's a very similar process to that. Um, and, and they are kind of, different mental processes in terms of particularly if I do lyrics, I have to kind of open my brain up in a, it's, I'm not the, uh, as good at doing that as I'd like to be, but I have to kind of relax into it in a certain way sometimes. Yeah. And then it flows very well. But as soon as I start trying to clamp down and edit things, it, it's, you know, it sort of plugs the dam a little bit and slows it down. So, um, so yeah, I guess it's just kind of calling attention to these different processes. And when you're aware of the two, sides i think you can manage them more easily you know yes um yeah you're, you're right i mean i, I think that's the, the ambidextrous kind of thinking where you're you're um using the right and left part of the kind of brain it's a hidden um part of the kind of creative process that isn't always kind of noted and it really comes through in terms of when you speak through your process your technique and your 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 nod toward and towards kind of the use of frames and been able to kind of move chaos to, to some form of structure um, as well. I think that that kind of came across really strong where the, the, the right and left part of your brains are kind of oscillating um, to kind of drive the outcome, the output. Well, there's another thing actually leading, leading on from what I've just talked about, about the, yeah. the kind of duality of creativity, whatever it is. The um, I think if you're aware of it, you can also then try and harness it. So 
many many years ago i read a book by a guy called edward de bono yes and he's you know about you know so he, yeah. he he tries to kind of encourage creativity and thinking i think it's more for corporate stuff you know so yes but he has techniques i don't remember most of it to be honest but the one thing i always remember is uh one technique he would use for some of the corporate clients was you know something like you, you go through a dictionary pick a a word a random word and then try and relate that random word to what you're doing so for example maybe you're trying to sell you know televisions in your yeah. marketing department where you pick a random word elephant okay well how can we relate that oh, well elef- elephants are big you know uh the tv's re- not is too big or it's not too big or um <laughs> you know the gray gray is boring i don't know you know, so, but yeah. it's what it's doing is shortcutting a the sort of the jump normally people a simple process would go a b c d yeah and people see creativity and genius and creativity is suddenly jumping from a to z essentially or a to d yeah. wherever you want so this is an idea to try and shortcut that, you know, so you, you try and logically almost jump from A to D and then work backwards. Yes. Um, and so I, I like the idea of that in terms of, um, I think a lot of good creative musicians will, maybe some of them do it unconsciously or conscious, but it, they'll find techniques perhaps to sometimes get them out of a rut, whether yeah. it's writer's block or whatever. So maybe playing a different tuning on the guitar, you know, which makes you come up with weird chords by accident. Yeah. Um, and you just follow your nose with it, you know, or follow your ear. So you, it, but it puts you in a state where you're not quite sure what's going on. And you have to then try and rein it into a framework that you do know what's going on. And so that's very creative, you know. Um, and that's, but I think more overall, overall, what I'm saying is the, the idea of trying to sometimes think about methods in which you can uh, improve your creativity, you know, and jump, jump to from A to D or A to Z, wherever you want to get to yeah. quickly. Uh, rather than just kind of hovering around A and B for a long time and hoping to stumble across C. What are some of the, the emerging technologies in music making and production techniques that you've applied to improve your creative process? Uh, well, so, I mean, pretty much anyone writing, you know, nowadays they tend to use what we call a door, you know, uh, it's a software um, uh, recording studio, essentially, in Logic yeah. or Pro Tools. Or um, and... Uh, Within those, I mean, it's unbelievable, really, what you have now. It's like you have 10 Abbey Roads for yeah. free almost inside your computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, even the stuff that comes with the free with the software a lot of the time is very, very good. You know, it's digital yes. digital quality. Um, I mean, the stuff from 15, 20 years ago was very, very good. Yeah. You know, so uh, all of it helps. I mean, you know, firstly, on the downside, it can be a hindrance, I think, when, you, when you're starting off, perhaps, because... Yeah. There's so many options now. There's so many plug-in, so many effects and things you can use that you know maybe they're free or whatever. And, yeah. And uh, but uh, you know I think it's great to uh, if you're learning them. It's a more of an experimental process. If you're experimenting, if, as long as you can get it down as a, in a finished piece of art, then that's okay. But it's very tempting to kind of go around and experiment more. Yes. And, you know every new thing you put on is like wow, this is a new sound. So, um, so now when you come to more kind of uh technical something that requires slightly higher technical knowledge to so say like mixing um uh, mixing music which is essentially blending all the sounds together um in a way that's aesthetically pleasing to, yeah. to most people you know um it, it to some degree it requires a pretty good knowledge of various bits of equipment to not make things worse you know it's very easy to to mess around with a lot of effects and stuff and actually make things worse rather than better because it's yes. quite a chaotic environment. And so a good knowledge of, you know, it's almost better to know one thing very well than 10 things not very well. Um, yeah. So you can control what's going on with that one thing. Now, obviously, 
need to know more than one when you're actually mixing. But um, but the point behind that is, you know, it's good to know your equipment well, so it's not a hindrance. Yeah. You know, so you really kind of can feel what it's doing, and and, that, and that's true of anything. Like you know, I guess even playing an instrument. But um, uh, so all these tools that they they're great, but but ultimately what you need is some kind of idea behind it. Yeah, um, and they're just a way of getting the idea down, uh, and maybe sometimes you get um, some uh, some novel uh, kind of lovely accident out of it, you know, by trying some new effect yes. on your synth or something, and you get a song out of it because it, you know, it's it's new and it's exciting and it gives you an idea. Um, but uh, but it, most people working you know who work on a computer which is probably i have no idea not but i'd say 90 something percent of people yeah who write music now uh we have very very similar kinds of software and similar types of things you use your point there came across really strong as well around look you can have all the technology in the world but at the end of the day it's the idea it's the content that you're going kind to of produce it um, yeah. as, an, as an outcome and the aesthetic and identity around that you know and the, yeah yeah how it connects emotionally yeah yeah and obviously there's another side to that which is um making a living off it <laughs> yes and yeah. the commercialization of it is an entirely different thing yeah. because you know you can do whatever the hell you want but it doesn't mean anyone else is going to want to listen to it or buy it yeah and uh and so i mean actually nowadays there's such a plethora you know the access to things is so easy with spotify and whatever that somebody somewhere will probably like whatever it is you're doing yeah and you know so um and you know some to some degree commercial considerations can be a bit of a pain, you know. If you're, you know, you're writing a piece of music and you're you're thinking about other people's perception of it. Yeah, that, that can be a hindrance, you know. Uh, but at the same time, it's not necessarily a bad thing to do as well, you know, because if you want to sell it, I mean, you know, yes. take, for example, jazz music. You know, if you go to some freeform jazz thing, well, jazz guys are just getting off playing whatever they want. Yeah, and it's great. And if you're into that and listen, it's fantastic, you know. But for a lot of the public, it doesn't really sell particularly well yes. because it's not the kind of music they like. They want hooks and they want short, catchy things yeah. that are repetitive and stick in their mind. They can remember easily and they, they're thinking about it. They want to go back and buy it. You know, so, um, so it's kind of, it's not trying to write for other people necessarily. It's just being aware of what would make a more commercially viable piece of music, I guess, or yeah. product. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to do that, but if you do that, maybe you've got more chance of, having more people like it you know yeah. maybe not but um you know it, most people when they write music anyway i think unconsciously it's pretty much within the same kind of framework 80 percent of the time is verse intro verse chorus yeah you know bridge or something verse yeah. chorus yeah solo or middle eight whatever it is and you know these these structures have been going on for a long long time and they still do and there's a reason i think because maybe it's something to do with the brain patterning now yeah. obviously there's variations on those structures all over the place as well but um but the, the, the things are done in a way that your brain can process more easily, I guess, or you know, the public's brain can, the general public, and they, they can kind of, they know where things are going to some degree. Because if you yeah. go too, too experimental and too far, it loses people. They don't, yes. they don't have any frame of reference. And so it's not very interesting. Uh, you know, it's like listening to Balinese gamelan. You know, some people love it, but most people in the West wouldn't be particularly interested in, in listening to it because right. they don't have any reference to, frame of reference to it at all. So, yeah. um, so being aware of that, is fine. Most musicians, artists, most to a greater degree, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, that's something to think about. Um, yeah. the, and then the other thing I should mention, sort of, it's, it's a bit of a tangent now, but it's actually a sort of physical aspect of that stuff. You know, it's like, 
everyone has a different approach, but the one that I've enjoyed more and more is being trying to be more energetic, bring more energy to yes, to work, you know, so standing up as much as possible when I'm working and, and yeah. generally having a positive, energetic kind of outlook. Um, because it's very easy to when you sit if you're sitting down in a chair for a long time, you get tired. Yes. You know, and you're looking at a screen for 10 hours or something, and you start to get kind of bored. And you know, and so um, and that that isn't the best place to be creative from necessarily. I think when you're positive, you make good decisions yeah. more frequently and it's quicker. Um, and that's something you know I've seen when I've been working with Johnny Marr a lot. You know, he's very, yeah. very quick and very positive and um, highly creative, and so it keeps things flowing very, very well. Um and so you know, that's something to think about is just literally that stuff, physical stuff, you know, yeah. have a good posture when you're sitting down and, and, and try and maintain a positive frame of mind to some degree, you know, um, not necessarily, you know, having to be super happy, anything like that, yeah. but it's a positive kind of energy about completing things and moving Absolutely. forward and everything. Um, yeah. That's great. So moving on to what are the key skills um, that you believe are, are needed yeah. to, to be a musician and producer? Yeah, so I think they're all, you know, they're slightly different because as a musician, probably one of the greatest skills would be, you know, have some kind of personality uh, or, you know, with, with your playing yeah. or uh, or be fairly agreeable. Or if it's a live musician in a band, you've got to you know, ideally look interesting in some kind of way, you know, either good or interesting. Um, but just from the musical point of view, um, you know, have to be proficient enough to be able to do what you need to do. I mean, it depends, you know, like there's plenty of bands where someone in the band isn't a very good musician. It doesn't yeah. really matter, you know, as long as the songs are good. Um, but, you know, if you're like, say, a, you know, a session musician, then you have to be pretty technically yeah. decent or you have to have an incredible, you know, very, very pronounced character and you're playing that people want. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so, so, so you know, as, as a musician and as a producer, it's probably slightly different. Um, and I think, uh, people will have different styles. Um, so some producers, I haven't worked with that many, but some of them will have uh, maybe a much more less technical style. They may not, they may not yeah. really be able to use a mixing desk, but they've got a very good ear and a very good knowledge of pop, musical pop kind of history in their yeah. brains. But you can sit there and sit down in the back of the room and go, that hi-hat's too loud. And what's that noise there? Take that out. It's rubbish. Yeah. You know, that bit's really good. Repeat that. You know, so it, it may just be like that. Um, where some producers and probably more more of them nowadays particularly are more they're quite technical as well so they can use the recording software yeah. very well and but they also have the you know an ear for mixing um but i think one one level of it if you're working with a lot of different people is some degree of agreeableness with people um and social skills you know because if you're very highly disagreeable you're probably going to get less work <laughs> i yes. suppose you know <laughs> it's going to be harder and you can be arguing people all the time and but also because in that role, it's, there's a slightly, you know, you, ideally you're trying to make, well, again, this is an arguable thing, but a lot of producers will say they're trying to make somebody else's vision come to life. Yes. Um, now you might have some sort of Phil Spector type people who have their vision and they want to impose it on the song. There's nothing wrong with that either. Um, there's different approaches, but uh, but I guess if you want a lot of work and you're working with bands, for example, or singers, if they're not happy with the outcome, they're probably not, going to want to use you again and so regardless of, i mean if it's you know some top number one single maybe they will but yeah and that creative those creative arguments do go on i guess and it can be problems but but i think by and large being able to work with different people and adjust to their personality slightly you know be uh, um put your, putting your ideas across 
um, diplomatically. Yeah. So, uh, or working diplomatically, just full stop, yeah. I guess. Um, uh, you know, uh, but also, if you really think things are wrong, trying to make sure that you can almost uh, you know, uh, demonstrate how they're wrong, perhaps. The ability to have attention to detail, yes, but also to have the uh, look at things from the, the macro level and keep the yeah. big picture in mind. Um, so we have to you know, have that and then drill down to minute, um, you know, which is, again, probably true for a lot of art, a lot of, a lot of things, but, um, but it does require a lot of concentration sometimes. You know? Yes. Especially with music, you're hearing things over and over again, perhaps for sometimes a long time. And it's not the most exciting thing. You want to move on, but yeah. if things aren't right, you have to get in there and dig in and, and make them better. So, uh, and tolerate stress of doing it very well. You know, it can be yeah. tiring, a long day in the studio, and uh, people's tempers can get frayed or whatever. And so it's being able to do that and try and keep a good positive, you know, uh, creative atmosphere. What are the lessons learned in terms of the pitfalls to avoid and the keys to success that you can share with aspiring musicians and, and producers? Mm. So, so, for example, yeah. if, if you were, say, 18 again, and you know what you do now, what would you do differently, if at all anything? Yeah. Well, for me personally, I would have probably got myself involved in more musical things when, you know, when I was younger, straight away. I've just gone out every night or, you know, as much as I could to musical events, you know, so yeah. the things going on in Manchester, you know, a friend of mine used to have a night called Deep Percussion where they had um, live drums and uh, a friend playing double bass over with a DJ. Mm. Um, and that, the DJ was pretty successful here in Manchester. They had a band called Finger Thing that came out of that. And the drama actually was James Ford who went on to produce the Arctic Monkeys. Yes, yes. Um, it, was a really, it was a fun night, you know, but it was, it was kind of emerging drum and bass kind of stuff. And um, there was always things like this going on. Yeah. And I didn't really get involved in it as much as I, in retrospect, probably should have done just for the experience and, yeah. and the people you meet. Um, so I think you know, going out and enjoying that stuff and trying to have a, a wider social uh, social group, uh, so yeah, that's the word. Social circle, yeah. Uh, you know, in the, in the musical world, that would have been uh, pretty good. Um, you know, so it's understanding. I wasn't a particularly insular person, but it's but more than I realised, I think. And so um, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing would be focus, focusing yeah. more on writing and finishing and working harder, because it's kind of hard work sometimes, and you just got to put the hours in, get your yeah. head down, and work and work and work, and there's a degree of me which I think felt that, you know, that maybe that was wrong in some way. And, you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh, it can't be difficult. You know, I should just be able to bang a song out in five minutes and that's it. <laughs> Job done. It sounds like you know, a record, but the reality is you know, it can happen, but a lot of the time it's hard work and you have to get in and work very, you know, work for hours and hours or something you're incredibly bored by and then keep going on it and yeah. keep going and you're sick of it, you know, but it's, but it's improving it to a level that makes it um, you know, okay for other people to listen to. Um, yeah. So you know, there's that. Uh, so just you know, focus more. Um, probably, I did actually read. You know, I was always active about reading and trying to find out more information. Um, but it wasn't necessarily always in the. I didn't really have my direction down at that time. So you yeah, know, I wanted to be. I wanted to do film music for a while when, and when I was younger. I wanted to be in a band first of all, then yeah. film music, which I found very exciting. Then I kind of when I was playing with Johnny, I thought, hey, this band stuff's pretty good fun. Yeah, so actually, <laughs> wanted to be in a band again, and so um, so it's kind of flip flopping a little bit. Um, but really, all in the background, all I really, really love to do is write. You know, write yes. music, and, and I love the initial 
buzz of having a new idea. And that's the kind of fun part, you know. What's your vision for the future of music and production? Yeah, well, this is a tricky one, you know. So it, you know, I've thought about this question, but it, it, it's tricky because we've kind of already jumped, we've done this kind of jump with uh, Spotify and streaming yes. services. Yeah. So that's already ch- changed the face of you know, music and how we consume music and how you sell music massively. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, but even without the streaming, I think you know, just the internet has done that, you know. So the fact that you can find any kind of music you want in the touch of a button. Yeah. Um, and anyone can produce it. Anyone with a laptop can produce some kind of music. And very often it sounds very good. You know, you can throw a bunch of loops together, Apple loops together or whatever, and, and it'll sound okay, you know. And so um, there's ton, there's, there's incredible amount of stuff out there. I mean, Bowie predicted it years and years back. And he said something like, uh, you know, in the future, music's going to be just like water. It's going to be dripping around yes. everywhere. And, yes. and it, the downside of that, how it seems now, is it seems like in some ways there's a bit less, um, not respect, but like... Uh, um, it's like a conversation of it almost, isn't it, to some extent? Yeah, but it's like they have, they have less... Um, people put less... Uh, not involvement, less um, attention on a record. You know, yeah. So in the, in the days of vinyl, for example, people would save up and buy one record of the band they really, really liked. And then spend ages looking at the vinyl, looking at every single piece. Oh of yes, yeah. Writing on there and the pictures and you know. yeah. And so we get very, very invested in that, and that's the word I'm looking for. There's there's less investment in, to some degree, and certainly in the music pieces of music, I think, and maybe in the artists. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say, but it, it, that's how it feels. You know, so it feels like um, overall, you know, there's less because it's much more atomized. There's, there's you know, yeah. Thirty odd years ago, there's only a a handful of genres yep. and they were really distinct and that was kind of it and now there's you know probably hundreds of genres and they are all kind of different in some way yeah. um well you know there's this there's, there's wide difference i don't know how many differences there are 20 differences but uh but they are quite distinct and uh people t- you know the upside of it is people are quite more willing to cross over them nowadays yeah whereas you know, when i was growing up if you liked one a type of a certain type of music that was your thing and that was because it was yes. cool yeah. He didn't like pop music or he didn't like yep. you know, whatever else it was. So uh, so your identity was very much tied in with that genre um, and maybe a particular band. Whereas now it's a lot more fluid, I think. Um, so yeah. people will you know, like a metal band, but they'll also like some the pop single, you know, like an EDM yeah. track. Um, and then no one will really be so critical of that. You know, I mean, I'm sure this bands still have strong fan bases and yeah. artists still have strong fan bases. But it's just some, it's just different somehow. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, but in the future, it's, it's kind of hard to predict because, you know, from my point of view, from a technical point of view, in terms of writing and being creative, more stuff will probably just become uh, more more parts of the process will become automated. Yeah. So, you know, in the past, you had to create all your sounds yourself, essentially, you know, a long time ago. You have to, you know get real drummer or something like this. And then samplers came along and you could sample a drum loop and you had kind of a, a bit of a band in the box, but now it's all in your know, laptop. You can pull out Apple loops of drums, synths and whatever you want and make it piece together a track. And all you need to be able to, you don't need to know anything about music, but you need to have a sense of dynamics to make it good, you know, a sense of balance. And so there's a lot of really successful DJs and writers who do that. They, they can't necessarily play any notes, but they, they're very good at um, creating music, by piecing things together and, you know, but some more, the, you know, more and more parts of the process are being, uh, you have the ability to automate, like mixing. Yes. Um, you know, there's plugins, there's software you can get, which will kind of mix the stuff for you. 
you know, and it's it's not bad. I mean, it's it's no a patch on a really good professional mixer, but it's, maybe it's only a matter of time. You know, another yeah. ten years, maybe it will be, and so or maybe less than that. Um, and so, you know, that's good or bad, but it's the the worries if it makes things too generic. You know, already to me, a lot of music sounds quite generic. Um, you know, there's, there's always great stuff and there's loads of outlier stuff, but there's there's a certain generic quality to quite a lot of stuff, just yeah. to my ears. And I think that comes from, you know, we're always using the same software and the same types of things. And um, so th- th- that's perhaps a danger. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think if the brain's involved, people are involved, there's always outliers. And if, working in a group is always good as well because I think it speeds things up. You know, people bounce ideas off each other and it makes things exponentially faster yes and accidents happen and so you know uh, but more and more people are working by themselves um as well no there's a bad thing it's just uh, uh you know um just it's just uh, i don't know different things but uh the future is very hard to predict i mean the one thing that's very interesting is blockchain tech um, yes but I don't really see yet how it's going to apply to music other than maybe having some decentralized streaming, you know, maybe the revenues yeah. can go straight to artists. And right. Um, there's a few kind of startup companies that, that are, are doing that now. Um, but I don't see how that, like, at the moment I can't really envisage how that's going to change things more than the current streaming services do. Yeah. Apart from maybe the way the payments work, but, um, but I'm sure something will come along. And yeah. affect things in a certain way that you know maybe we didn't predict, or I didn't predict anyway. <laughs> <laughs> For more inspirational conversations with creative industry experts on entrepreneurship, pop culture, art, music, film, and fashion, please go to the Unknown Origins website at unknownorigins.com. <laughs>